Welcome back to the conclusion of Pastor Tim's message, His Story, My Story, Your Story, from James chapter 1, verses 21 through 25. Pastor Tim tells us often how he was sitting on a log in the North Georgia mountains reading James chapter 1, when the Holy Spirit of God finally broke through his callousness and saved him. In just two more months, that will have been 40 years ago. In the second half of this message, Pastor Tim tells us his story again and relays how what God did for him, he will do for you. Here's Pastor Tim. But when I look in the Bible, and I look especially in the book of James in chapter number 1, I not only see his story, I see my story. I see the story of the person that I was. And I see the story of the person that I am. I see when I begin to read through this passage, in the, in the eye of my own memory, what this passage means to me. It'll be a little bit more personal maybe than I typically would at this point. This is my story. Look, if you will, in verse number 22. Verse number 22, the Bible says this, But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You know what I discover about that passage? Is that not only does the Bible demand more than a casual glance, not only does the Bible deserve a continual gaze, the Bible doles out a convicting grace. This is how it worked out for me in 1983. Our church took a trip, just the guys, just the youth guys, on a trip to North Georgia. The trip was presented to us as a trip that is camping, hiking, and whitewater rafting. I've said this enough times that I know it's absolutely true. I didn't care one thing about camping or hiking. I like what Clay told me earlier today. We like glamping, you know. Didn't care anything about going out there camping. I sure didn't care about walking with a backpack on. But I wanted to go white water rafting. That was worth it. That's why I went. That was the whole reason why I went on that trip. And I got there. I took, took time off of work during that week. Got to go. I was 17 years old. And we got there and they said, okay, here's what we're going to do all week. We're going to be in the woods for five days, you know. We're going, to camp, we're going to hike this particular direction, showed us all this stuff on a map. On the last day, that's when we're going to do our whitewater rafting. Great. So I have to put up with everything until, you know, until then. Okay, I can put up with it. All right, so this is what you have to do. So you have to be up and out of your tent by 8 in the morning. Wait, what? Aiden, there's one of those in the morning too? Yep, you got to get up by 8. Between 8 o'clock and 8.15, you have to have a quiet time. You have to read your Bible. And I thought, oh, number one, I didn't come out here to read my Bible. Number two, 15 minutes, are you kidding me? I'll be asleep again before 15 minutes is up. I mean, it can't, I mean you could read the whole thing like in 15 minutes, right? Seemed like an eternity. 15 minutes isn't very long, by the way, is it? So I sat down and, you know, they, they gave us the rest of our instructions. 
And I looked in my Bible and I said, you know what? James has five chapters. James has five chapters. We're going to be in the woods for five days. I'm going to read a chapter a day and talk about checking off your list. Check, I have read an entire book of the Bible. That's real spiritual, isn't it? You know, just kind of where I was. And so I thought, I'm going to read the book of James. So Monday morning comes along. We get out there. It's 8 o'clock in the morning with slits for eyes. I'm looking, <laughs> I'm looking into my Bible and I'm reading it. I'm reading my whole Bible through here. And I got through chapter number 1. And I prayed and I went and ate breakfast. On Tuesday... I got up, and I had my favorite little spot. There was a spot where there was a log that had fallen over, and that's where I went to just about every day. Went and found me a spot, found me a spot down by the creek somewhere. So I sit down, and I thought, you know what? I don't have the foggiest clue what James chapter 1 is about. You know? Just like some, just like some of us do when we read the Bible. I don't have any clue what this means. And so I thought, you know what, I'm not moving on to chapter 2. I'm just going to read chapter 1. By the way, every day was exactly like that. <laughs> I still don't understand this chapter. I'm going back, I'm going to read chapter I never made it out of chapter 1 the whole week. And I don't know what day it was, but I do know that one of those days, we had had a really long hike the day before. And uh, so nighttime comes, you're gathered around the campfire, everybody's just kind of hanging out. And then I committed the camping youth trip, unpardonable sin. I went to bed first. I mean, that's terrible. What idiot does that? This one. You know, what idiot has two thumbs and goes to bed first? This guy, right? So, so I go to bed first and they all then begin to conspire and say, wouldn't it be funny? If we went and we pulled up Tim, Tim's tent stakes and let the tent fall in on him. It is kind of funny, actually, but it wasn't funny that day. You see, I was living a double life. And I knew it and I recognized it. At church, I, I, I tried to be just exactly who I was. You know, the one who complains but still reads his Bible and still prays. The one who's there on Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Sunday, uh, Wednesday night, whenever the doors are open. The, the one whose parents are so involved in church. But at school and on the ball field, I didn't like being that person. I didn't like being the goody two-shoes. Um... I know you can't tell it now, but I was a skinny little twerp back then. <laughs> Emphasis on twerp. So I learned, along to, uh, learned along the way that if you're not super athletic, and if you're not as handsome as you will finally grow into being, <laughs> you might as well be funny, see? It's still, it's still, I'm still there. You just try to be funny. These are the days of Richard Pryor. You remember him? So it's not only to try to be funny, but it's also to try to be crude. Because if you can be crude and funny at the same time, it seemed to take on a different perspective. It seemed as if, as if people were drawn to you a little bit more. And so between that and being a big fat liar... That was what my life pretty much consisted of. 
That day when they pulled the tent stakes up and my tent fell, my two worlds collided. I let out a barrage of words against those guys <laughs> that I'm shocked at. I mean, I, I said everything I could possibly say. And then the first thought that hit me was, oops, my youth pastor's out there. My second thought was, he's going to tell my dad. <laughs> the third thought was, I am such a hypocrite. You know, when I finally got up that next morning at 8 and went to find me a log by the creek, I turned to James chapter number 1. And like a light bulb going off, I can hear heaven thundering. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. The part that struck me the most were the last two words. Deceiving yourselves. Fooling yourself. Never heard God audibly, but I heard Him louder in my heart that day than I have ever heard Him. The Spirit of God said, Tim, you are a hearer, you're not a doer, and you're fooling yourself. You see, I'd already joined the church. I'd already been baptized. In fact, when I finally came forward to give my heart to Jesus, the preacher said, oh, Tim, you're already a Christian. That day, sitting on that log in those North Georgia mountains, this is the prayer that I prayed. God, I am worthless. And if you want me, you can have me. Whatever you tell me to do for the rest of my life, I'll do it. That was it. No Jesus' name. No amen. Just a heart that was desperate for God to change. I was such a hypocrite. Such a deceived fool. Wasted so many of those years realizing that all of those things that I ever attempted to try to get somebody to like me just made them tolerate me. I didn't see fireworks that day. <laughs> I didn't have a Christian to give me the right hand of fellowship neither. But I had a peace that passes all understanding. But it passed my understanding that day. I had no idea why I felt the way that I felt. Because I shouldn't have. Should I? I mean, I, I understand the conviction part. I was convicted. And I was guilty and I knew it and I felt it and I sensed it. What I had no capacity to understand before that day 
was this word grace. God should have wiped me off the planet. And he didn't. Instead, he loved me. And he changed my heart. James chapter 1 and verse number 22. That's my story. But it takes me back to verse 21. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. That's exactly how I felt. Filthy and overflowing with wickedness. Listen to me carefully right now. Especially those of you who are believers and you're reading through this passage. Jesus Christ takes all of your sins away. He casts them as far as the east is from the west. They will never be remembered. They will never be brought back up again. You'll never be judged for those things because Jesus has taken your judgment for you. Every sin that you've ever committed is that way and every sin that you ever will commit. Past, present, future doesn't matter. But this verse doesn't say that He lays aside your filthiness. There are plenty of people who want to receive the grace of God. They want to go to heaven when they die. But they don't want to give up the filthiness. They're overflowing with wickedness. Like a pot of soup boils over. And they never take time to clean up. If God has made you positionally right with Him, you need to live practically right before Him. You have to lay aside the filthiness. You have to lay aside the overwhelming overflow of wickedness. The life that you live needs to match the life that you have. If you have everlasting life, live in everlasting life. If you have abundant life from Christ, live an abundant life. If you have a life that has been given to you that is marked by the obedience of Christ, then for His sake, live in obedience to Christ. And stop deceiving yourself. I deceived myself because I thought walking the aisle was the answer. I deceived myself because I thought going through the waters of baptism was what made me saved. I deceived myself because I thought I could believe one thing and behave a whole different way. I deceived myself because I thought 
that my approval had to come from other people. And all I needed was God. That's my story. My story is intertwined in his story. But so is your story. What is your story? I mean, what's your story? There's probably not a person who's a member of this church who can't tell me my story. You know it? Why? Because I tell you all the time. Not because I'm proud of it, but because God's done an incredible work. And what He's done in me and doing anybody. You can tell my story because I tell you it. Who can tell you your story? Who knows your story so well that they could repeat it? Let me give you one more thing here. Let me show you this. At the end of verse number 21, after he says to lay aside this ugliness, he says, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. The Bible delivers to you a ceaseless gift. Everlasting life. Eternal life. This Bible is able to save your soul if you will but what? Receive it. I asked the children this question during Bible school. I told them to imagine Imagine a gift. You can imagine it too. Imagine this gift. It's in a box. Maybe it's this wide. Maybe it's this tall. Maybe it's this deep. It's wrapped, you know, in incredible paper. Even the lines, they, they match up. You know what I mean? That's what I shoot for when I write present. Anyway, it's got a bow on it. It's tied up. It's got this big old huge bow. It's beautiful. Coming out of that bow is a tag. And the tag says to, and it's got your name on it. To you from God. All right. Here it is. Sitting right here on the stage. Got your name on it. Here's the question. Is it yours? The answer is no. It's not yours, is it? I mean, it's got your name on it. But it's not yours as long as it sits right here. It's only yours when you receive it. That's why the Bible says, As many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in His name. You have to receive His gift of eternal life. Let me ask you this, would you like to? Would you? Doesn't matter whether you're young or old. Doesn't matter whether you've been here for a long time or not. Would you like to receive the gift of eternal life? It's easy to do when you mean it with all your heart. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
Remember that anyone at the beginning of this that included you? So does the whoever. If you will call on the name of the Lord, the Bible says you will be saved. Now there is no way that I'm going to lead you in praying the prayer that I prayed. That was mine. What's yours? He said to him, I, I, don't, I don't know how to do that. I, I don't know what's supposed to be in there. Well, let me ask you this. Do you know that God loves you? Well, tell Him. Do you know that you have sinned and disappointed Him? Then tell Him. Do you know that your sin will keep you away from God for forever? Tell Him. Do you know that when Jesus died on a cross, He was taking your punishment for you? So that you don't have to pay that? Then tell Him. Do you know that He's offering you a gift of eternal life? Then receive it. Tell Him that you trust Him. Tell Him that you repent of your sins. Ask Him to help you to live a life where you can put away all the filthiness and the overflow of wickedness. Be the person who's not the hypocrite. Not the person who's fooling himself while trying to fool everybody else. Give yourself to Him. And the Bible says when you draw near to Him, that He draws near to you. And He says that person shall be saved. I'm going to ask you to do this. Bow your heads right there where you are. Close your eyes. If we're sticking with the Bible school theme, then I'll tell it to you this way. We do that so that we eliminate distractions and show, so that we show God respect. I can, I can help you with words if you want me to. I guarantee you your words are better than my words. Would you ask Jesus to forgive you of all your sins and come in your heart? If you would, then I'm going to ask you to come down here and tell me. Tim, <laughs> I just asked Jesus to come in my heart. I'll help you. Or if you come and you say, Tim, I mean, I want to do that. I just don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I'll help you with that too. If you need to plant your life here, if there's something in there that makes you think, you know what, I mean, I'm saved, but I'm kind of the hypocrite too. You need help with that, I'll help you, or you can come straight to this altar. But this is where his story becomes your story. Jesus Pray that your spirit would have freedom in the heart of every person and in every life here today. Bless these moments in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is 
church office at BrittDavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Britt David Podcast.